Swanson to first. to win the Super Bowl, and they have sealed the deal. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. And Lightning has struck twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. Episode 120 of Four Future Considerations. I can't believe it. John Rashad is speechless. So, Matt Dumichel, can you believe we've made it through 120 episodes? I heard that it was a contract dispute. I heard that he's not happy with his role in the organization. I heard he's taking it to the streets. And he is is speaking loudly with the sounds of silence today. He might somehow translate this into Chinese or something by the end of the show. You won't even understand what we're talking about. Just out of spite. You'll just edit out certain words out of our sentences and make us sound like It's going to sound like, come on. (laughs) John, what say you? How you been? I'm good, guys. The attack won at home on Monday night. Another big game coming up on Wednesday. Things are good. Well, great to be together again. Boy, I got to say, we really appreciate the love from people reaching out on social media and by email with questions, comments, feedback to the podcast. We are having a great time. And we appreciate that you are too. Yes, another week of emails and DMs that made us feel loved. And it's fantastic. You can reach out too by sending us an email at fourfutureconsiderations at gmail.com or on social media, podcast FFC on Twitter or Instagram, and Four Future Considerations on Facebook. And we only have one episode we, this week. Uh, no overtime needed. I don't need any more overtime in my life. So we're, we're not getting rid of, we're getting rid of <laughs> overtime for the next for this week at least um, but please join us in the debate as we continue to do every episode seems like uh, when Manny and I uh, disagree uh, and Manny's wrong people really enjoy that so we're going to keep that going too uh, we are going to have OT next week special guest Cowboy Curtis from Los Angeles born in Grand Rapids I want to say it was Grand Rapids Michigan anyways He's a Michigander, and we're talking about the best day of the year, the first Saturday in May, the Kentucky Derby. Are we going to disagree on the Kentucky Derby, too? Somehow you're going to pick a a, a donkey or something and and claim that he's going to win the race. (laughs) Bob Baffert should be in this race. (laughs) He should should be in the race. He should have to run in the race. Or be tied, Can you to the, yeah, that? tied to the back of one of the horses in the race. I, I agree. See, we're agreeing already. <laughs> it's going to be a great show. <laughs> and since we don't have an OT this week, go back and listen to some of our previous guests, like Nathan Charlitty from episode 119 last week. Someone wrote in and said he's way too smart to oh, be on yeah. the show with you guys. And we agree. We wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> 
His resume was quite expensive. He's quite accomplished. And we loved having Char on the show last week. So go check it out. Episode 119. Yeah, for sure. And uh, if you're looking for more conversations like that one we had with Nathan, which was great. Look at some of the guests that we've had on the show. Game, uh, Jamie Campbell, Luca Heno, outstanding head coach Dale Mitchell, Aaron Franzen, Mike Fuda, good friend Fred Wallace, Tony Ambrosio. Man, if you're making news in the world of sports, you've probably already been on this show because we're the news makers. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair, Our fair guests enough. are great. You and I, maybe not so much. So since we only have one episode this week, let's get right into it. Yeah, hey, Patty coming back to the BK. Black tall, and white. Hey. Hey, you was balling. I got 40 tonight. There's going to be problems for the Boston Celtics this year. I'm telling you. Well, that quote didn't age well. That was Kevin Durant from August of 2021, but Durant and the Brooklyn Nets were just swept by the Boston Celtics in the NBA playoffs. We can talk about the fiasco of Ben Simmons not playing, but he's under contract. But Kyrie Irving is another story. He has a player option for next season for $36.5 million before becoming a free agent. If you're the Nets, do you want Kyrie back? Simple answer is no. I don't want Kyrie back. Listen, This guy signed three years ago to play for the Brooklyn Nets. He's missed more games than he's actually paid. And I know he's got the option to get paid $36.5 million. But it comes down to me, for me, would I rather pay somebody, one player, $40 million a year? Or would I rather pay two really good players at 20 million a piece instead of a quote unquote superstar. I think the answer is pretty simple. I, I have a hard time disagreeing uh, with oh. with the way with the way the Nets are. You have to blow the whole thing up. This is for anybody that hates these dream teams and this uh, everybody comes and plays with their friends in the NBA. Like this is a great story because this team sucks. And and you've got superstars on this team that were either invisible because they weren't playing, hurt, Ben Simmons had their feelings hurt, <laughs> whatever whatever it is. Like this was a disaster. And Kyrie, you you said I mean, would you not even would you pay that much money for somebody that that's uh, you know that good? I mean, there's no question that he's a talent. There's no question that he's an outstanding player. Yeah. When he's playing, he averaged 27 points or something like that this year, and that's all well and good. And 26 points the year before that, 27 the year before. So, like with Brooklyn, he's averaging 27 points a game. That's that's all well and good, and, and everybody loves that. Oh, but in three years, he's played 103 games. Like, yeah. When you know, we always laugh about when you break down per pitch what a major league baseball player makes. What's Kyrie Irving robbing Brooklyn of for 103 <laughs> games in three seasons? No, I, I don't think I think Kyrie has to go. And I think that's just the start of what needs to change in Brooklyn. Yeah, like. Obviously, Ben Simmons not playing for him is another fiasco. Kevin Durant looked worn out. Yeah, and man. he was he was playing on a bad leg. Like um, the the scoring wasn't the issue; it was defense. Mm-hmm. So I I give up Kyrie's contract and find some bigs to play, pay two of them. 
instead of one Kyrie contract, and it'll help you because they scored 115 points a game against Boston and got swept. (laughs) It's not even close, Rashad. And fans in Philly are panicking after having a 3-0 series lead. The Sixers have lost two straight and head to Toronto where the Raptors are trying to become the first team in 143 playoff series to come back from an 0-3 deficit. Do you guys believe the Raptors can do it? Well, I think everything is pointing in the Raptors' direction right now. You get a chance to come home. You got a big win, Game 5, in Philadelphia. Um, They've got to be feeling good. They seem like they've figured out at least how they can play Joel Embiid off of James Harden and, and play with those guys. So your secondaries aren't the guys scoring 30 points a game, which we were seeing earlier in the series. Joel Embiid is not getting these stupid fouls all the time anymore, which is a credit to Nick Nurse bringing that up early in the series, whether that's something that plants a, a, something in the in the ear and sets the tone for the series too, uh, quite possibly. So, I mean, absolutely. I, I think that the easy money is saying that this is going to Game 7. Road teams in any sport have been playing pretty well historically in Game 7s, It's just going to be a matter of of getting there. I think the Raptors have a real good chance of doing this. Raptors have all the momentum, right? Like, if you you think about it, they really do. James Harden was awful shooting. That whole Sixers team was awful shooting. Like, we talked about how good the Sixers were shooting in Games 1 and 2. Lately, they've been terrible. Mm -hmm. And everything's pointing in the Raptors' favor, I think, as you mentioned. You remember, Doc Rivers won a championship in Boston in 2008. Since then, he's had three teams blow a 3-1 lead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and as Rashad, you mentioned, no team has ever come back from 0-3 deficit. This could happen. Like, I still think Philly pulls it out. Like, you only need to win one of four games. Mm-hmm. I think the odds are still in their favor. However, everybody's sphincter in Philadelphia is pretty tight right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, if this gets to Game 7, they're going to be cheering the Raptors in the warm-ups and uh, the starting lineups <laughs> and throwing batteries at the 76ers. And they'll t- the Raptors go on a 4-0 run to start the game. That place may end up looking like right-fielded Yankee Stadium. <laughs> well, I, I would not. If I'm the, if I'm the 76ers... I do not want to go home to that crowd up 3-0 to now be 3-3 and have to win a game seven. Before you get going, Rashad, what did you think of the Yankee fans throwing trash at the Cleveland Guardians? I couldn't believe it. I was watching that game because um, I was giving myself a bit of a double header. I was watching the Yankees game and then the Jays game was coming on right afterwards. So I watched them both back to back. Um, those fans in New York, come on. Like, you're acting like Philadelphia fans. The one thing I will say, though, I'm glad the Yankees came over to the outfield wall and were yelling at their fans to stop it, and then they walked with the Cleveland Guardians back into the infield. So classy move by the players themselves, but, man, those fans. It's it's embarrassing. And Isn't it? Major League Baseball has to do something about that. And, and I was talking to um, a, a couple of buddies of mine um, – about this before to me the solution for this is is the yankees get penalized this is like for this next series or for two games in this series or the next game or whatever you are not allowed to sell tickets in right field 
if you've got season ticket holders over there, figure it out. Put them somewhere else. But you cannot, from the foul line to the bullpens, in whatever, the lower level, if that's what you want to do, or the whole thing, whatever, you do not get to have fans in right field. You do not get to make revenue off of those tickets. Because, yes, you let those people in. You're not in control of these people and what they do and how they behave. But they're your responsibility when they're in the building. And if they're acting like that, throwing things onto the field and going after players on the field, you don't get to put people there anymore. You know that'll never happen, right? No, nothing's going to happen from this. I don't even think they know who the guy is still that was throwing stuff on the field. No. So how about this? Put up netting all the way to the top and to screw the fans... (laughs) <laughs> who have to sit in the outfield, A, they can't catch the ball, and B, their vision will be obstructed from watching the game. Like, screw the fans. If you're going to be idiots, we're going to treat you like idiots. Yeah, and it should be the whole thing. It should You, you don't get fans in right field, or you put up netting now in right field. Uh, the, we're going to put, and not even that, the batter's eye is now in right field. It's not even a mesh. <laughs> it's a wall. It is a the right field version of the green monster for for a game and you've got to stack things up there. i think you bring this guy or one of these lunatics out and he's got to throw the first pitch because you've got to announce him he's got to come out there he's got to walk out he's got to throw the ball to one of the cleveland guardians players the next time they're in town he's got to he's going to be mic'd up he's got to say he's sorry he's got to stand outside the stadium with the sign i think it's cool to throw plastic beer bottles at at, at adult men uh, he's got you got to do you got to do the whole thing on this because i i'm amazed really when you think about it that it doesn't happen more and that's really yeah. just a, a reflection of how poor I think of society right now, especially in the NBA, when these people's feet are on the floor where the, the same playing surface, like you're on the floor. You walk to your seat, walking on the court. How about the fans who are trying to storm the court in the NBA playoffs? Like, fans are going crazy. It's insane. You have to start taking this, like, going to these sporting events for everybody there is a privilege. So you can't penalize the guy that's sitting along the first or on the third baseline in the lower bowl because the right field bleachers want to be idiots. But now you got to penalize those people because they have to find a way to police themselves like adults. And Rashad, we're going to invite Sixers fans to throw batteries at the guy when he's on the map. Yeah, Yankee absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. And now it's time for our play of the week, and each of the four plays received votes, but there was only one winner. Upright, relaxed stance, tucks the left shoulder in as he cacks the bat over the right. The 1-1, ground ball, base hit in the right! 3,000 for Miguel Cabrera! Raises his arms! Iglesias the first to hug him, the Tigers dug out empties as they charge over to first base and let the hug dispensing begin. Oh, what an incredible journey from a skinny 15-year-old discovered on the dusty fields of Morakai to an icon 
in Motown. Miguel Cabrera, the pride of Venezuela, has joined one of the most exclusive clubs containing the best hitters in baseball history. 3,000 hits. That's Dan Dickerson with the call of Miguel Cabrera getting his 3,000th hit, the third Detroit Tiger to do it, and the third player in Major League history to have 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and a batting average over 300. What an accomplishment. Like, so happy for Miguel Cabrera that he was able to pull it off. Uh, Although it took him a little bit of time after the intentional walk against the Yankees and the rain out on Friday, but he did it with a packed Comerica Park on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Unbelievable! It was it was perfect, and and I had thought my, my guess for the hit was going to be a double into right center field, that sweet opposite field swing that he used to have, and they were pulling the second baseman a little bit over to shift him, and I I just after I saw the highlight just laughed. Uh, you you still can't shift this guy. He's thirty nine yeah. years old, but he's going to find that hole and shoot it through, and it was picture perfect. It was what a, a great moment. His family got to be there. I love to see the Tiger fans came out. Out in droves for that game, thirty-seven thousand at the at that first game of the doubleheader. Um, you know, it was it was perfect. That's that's exactly what that guy deserved for for what he's done for for Tigers and for baseball. And you and I have talked about this before. Like because he can hit into the opposite field, it makes him the greatest right-handed hitter of our generation, right? Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's there's an argument there for for Albert and I mean Albert Pujols is a monster. His nickname's literally the machine. But when you go through some of the accolades and some of the things that that Miguel Cabrera has done, I mean three thousand hits, five homers. Only six guys in history have done that. Two of them have asterisks next to their name. 3,000 hits, 500 homers, and a 300 batting average. It's Hank Aaron, Willie Mays, and Miguel Cabrera. 3,500 uh, or 3,000 hits, 500 homers, 600 doubles. It's Hank Aaron, Albert Pujols, and Miggy. Two MVPs. It's now just Pujols, Mays, and A Rod with all those credits. Multiple batting titles, home run titles, and then the only one of 3,000 hits. 500 home runs and a triple crown, Miguel Cabrera. I just don't do not think that there's a question that he's the best right-handed hitter, maybe we've ever seen. The triple crown stands out for me. Like that's unimaginable that that happened. And the other thing that I read was that he would have to go like 0 for 350 for his average to go below 300. Like. Yeah, it's, that'll never happen. That's astronomical. It basically has to go like a season without it. And and look, we've been through some lean years with Cabby where it was possible for a little bit. But even in the <laughs> last, even in the last couple of years, the lights are back in his eyes a little bit. You know, when you see him in the field, he's having fun. He's always been lighthearted, like just like a kid playing a game. And yeah, there were some tough times in Detroit. And when we signed him. Uh, as the Tigers the, to that massive contract that you knew at the back end you were going to be paying for a shell of what it was trying to get a World Series and unfortunately it never happened and, and he's going to be one of those guys that it it's painful that he doesn't get to win a World Series with Detroit because of 
how much he's done for that that team and and for the the fan base and, and how much he calls it his hometown and and all of that. I mean, he's he's the best. He's the best I've ever seen, and uh, and one of those guys that we always get to to brag about now to the next generation and to, to my kids and all that. That uh, we got to see Miguel Cabrera on a pretty regular basis here in Windsor. Yeah, it's unbelievable that they didn't win a World Series title with him and the pitching staff that they yeah. had back in the day, yeah. too. Our Play of the Week is brought to you by London Awnings, quality that shows. And remember to check Podcast FFC on Twitter and Instagram for some videos. So uh, we post the nominees uh, on Mondays. There'll be four videos that you can enjoy and uh, select your favorite, share with your friends, have yourselves a debate, and then we will pick the Play of the Week when we broadcast this next uh, podcast episode every Wednesday. So after Miggy did what he did, who will be the next player to get 3,000 hits and when? The guy who I think is is in line to do it, and he's younger, and it's going to be a while before anybody reaches this plateau. Uh, to me, if he stays healthy and the team around him is okay, uh, I know health hasn't been in his favor in the last little bit, but I think the next guy that has a real shot at it is Jose Altuve. Uh, I think he's, as a leadoff man with the speed, uh, I think he has a pretty good team around him. Um, I think he knows how to handle the bat and can move the ball around from different parts of the field and such. He's always had a long swing, which somehow has always worked for him. But, I mean, at the time that we're looking at this, he's sitting at 1,783, and he's 31 years old. So he's got a long way to go to get to that. Of the list of guys that are there, as long as he can stay healthy, that's where I'm going to go with 3,000 next. So what is he, 1,200 and change away? Just about, yeah. So he'd be so, about, yeah, twelve twenty or something close to that so let's say you get 200 hits a season yeah so uh, so six more seasons six more seasons he's 30 he could do it yeah he could do it he could do it i think he could do it yeah he could do it i know freddie freeman is basically at the same plateau but i'm gonna go a bit younger i'm gonna go juan soto okay he's 23 but he has 500 hits right now. So you're saying 3,000. That's 2,500 hits away. He doesn't stand a chance. <laughs> but he's 23. He's 23. And if he plays till Miggy's age, mm-hmm. who is 39 right now, that's 16 more seasons. At 200 hits. Like he could do it. Yep. Does he does he get there before Altuve? I think I don't know. Altuve, you talked about the injuries. Juan Soto too. He has had some injury issues in his past and he's only twenty three. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if anybody will do it within the next decade. Altuve maybe has the best shot. Maybe. And and to your point on Juan Soto, and it's so far ahead uh, to, to say that he's going to get to 3,000, but I disagree with you. Uh, because <laughs> Of course you do. <laughs> you know, and I was reading about this, and the one thing that they had suggested, which I thought was really interesting about Juan Soto, is he's got too good of an eye. He's, he's got too oh, much yeah. plate discipline. Last year, he his walks 140 times. You, yeah, his walks. You get on yeah. base. That's great. You're going to, you know, you move on. You're going to score a ton of runs. You're going to set the table. That's great. But they're not hits. It, it, can you imagine? He walks too much to get to 3,000 hits. I mean, 
doesn't make any sense. He's on base. As, as, as Brad Pitt, as uh, Billy Bean says, your job is to get to first. Do I care if he gets a walk or he gets a single? No, it, it's it's kind of funny. It was it was an interesting point. I saw that. I saw his stat line and all the walks, and I'm like, ah, sixteen more seasons, two hundred hits. You know, like fifteen hundred walks. He'll be he'll be great. He'll <laughs> <It'd> be crazy. <laughs> It's a, a great stat, and on this on this episode too, and it kind of led into that, which is perfect. Episode one twenty, the Barry Bonds episode of for future considerations. In two thousand four, he was intentionally walked a hundred and twenty times. Wow, baffling. Wow, that's a great stat to throw it on this episode. You imagine just intentionally intentional. Walked. Not even like the unintentional intentional walks where you throw two pitches, see if he swings at any, and then the other two you just throw in the garbage can. (laughs) Intentional walks. He didn't even get into the batter's box. And they're like, no, not this one. Nope. (laughs) Try to beat that, Rashad. And speaking of baseball, we posted a video on our social media feeds of a pitcher from North Texas Junior College who tackled a batter who was taunting him after hitting a home run. What did you guys think of that? I saw that. That was amazing. It's like it was watching football. I'm like, is this guy getting drafted in the NFL draft this week? That was a tremendous tackle. Somebody, uh, Somebody in our social media replied and said he should be suspended from all athletics for the rest of his collegiate career. Wow. A little bit much there, but maybe a a few anger management classes. (laughs) I mean, well, the one thing I haven't found, and I don't know if you know it or not, but like it was taunting after hitting a home run. So there's a section in the highlight when he's kind of coming around first that you don't really see. But from second... All the, until his demise, he doesn't really do anything. So, yeah, I got a big problem with it, and I don't mind the idea of suspending him, at least from the... Ba- I don't know if he plays any other sports, but at least from the baseball team for, you know, how many for more years... season. How many more, more, for, more of these years this kid have left in school? Not for the rest of his collegiate career. Come on. Is he... What is he? Is he a senior? Is he a freshman? I have no idea. I think I, no I think idea. it's I think it's a calendar year suspension. Okay, and not just the, the rest of the season into next year as well. If there's no, next no, year. no, rest of the season. Come on, boys will be boys. <laughs> but, <laughs> the only person that moved on that field for the for the taunting, if he's taunting around first, around second, around third, he passes five guys that didn't flinch. But whatever he did, the pitcher. <laughs> Running off the mound and picks him up off the ground and throws. That's uh, college baseball is like forty games, isn't it? It's got to you got to do a little bit more time than that. Anger management classes. Come on. Okay. Well, you're gonna you're gonna make him work with the horticulture school, uh, club uh, now. He's gonna go plant trees to make everybody feel better or something. Send him to Rashad's for counseling. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to come out crazier than he was when he went in. (laughs) He's going to come out twitching. (laughs) 
I'll tell you, he's going to like 90 Day Fiance when he comes out. <laughs> Maybe that is a good penalty. <laughs> instead of the instead of playing the baseball games, you will for three hours watch 90 Day Fiance and write a book report on what you think of Mike and Jimena's future in their relationship. And what do you guys see happening with the Oakland A's? One game last week saw only 2,700 fans in attendance at Ring Central Coliseum. This one to me is interesting because the Oakland A's, for a very long time, have been trying to get a new ballpark. And I don't know a whole heck of a lot of the story. All I know is this new one, this Harbor Terminal place, is a 34,000-seat uh, stadium that's right on the water. Uh, but I also understand, just from reading, that it's privately funded. And the issue is just about the land. Like, I, they're not even trying to take money out of people's pockets in Oakland or and, and region. This is, they just need the land. And the city has been extremely difficult. And I'm surprised that they have because there's nothing in Oakland, guys. <laughs> yes. What else are you yeah. going to hang on when the Raiders leave and when the A's leave? So I feel bad for the A's and I feel bad for what you know they're trying to do. Dave Cavell, I believe, is their president's name, who's a really interesting guy. I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts with him. Uh, we'll always have a, spot, a soft spot for Billy Bean. Like I, I think the A's are trying to figure this out. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised by the fans because it's a terrible ballpark. I, I have been there, and I've been there 20 years ago when it was a ter- terrible ballpark, ballpark. But the A's, it seems like, are trying, and it's not like, hey, give us $400 million of taxpayer money so we can play here. It's like, we just need the space. And if the city's not willing to to do that, I, I think the A's are running out of time here. So you actually believe the A's ownership? They say I do. a new a new ballpark can stop their bleeding financial woes, their tear down culture, so to speak. So you believe them? I honestly do. I honestly do. See, I don't. I don't know if I believe them, Matt. Like I, they desperately need a new ballpark. We can agree on that. But I think it, they're just cheap. And I'm not surprised that the fans are not coming because they've got to be disheartened with this great team. Maybe they should add a few pieces and go for it. Instead, they tear it right down. Like these, this ownership group is the same group that built the new stadium for the soccer team in San Jose in 2015. They're 17th out of 22 teams in spending in that league. And they have a brand new park. So there's nothing to suggest that they're going to change that when they get a new ballpark for baseball. I I think the thriftiness of of the A's has been... Uh, I mean, they've they've won. They've not won a championship. They've had windows. They've had great players, and and sometimes, yeah, it, it ends up the way baseball is that it bleeds out for uh, these players to that end up leaving for free agency. And we see that with them all the time. And the A's have constantly found these guys that are discarded for one reason or another and put a team together and they've come up with a pretty good farm system and they haven't been able to keep these guys. And that's on ownership that they're not uh, being able to sign these guys to the contracts that they deserve and are willing to inflate the payroll. There's no question. But I think that the A's are in the right in trying to get this ballpark done. And whether the ballpark turns things around or they're willing to do that or not, to me, the fact that it's private money, they're not really 
asking for anything other than this land to keep the team there. I really think the ownership group is doing all they can to get to that. Now, they get the they land, they build a new ballpark. If they're still cheap, then that's on them, and why would anybody go? I don't think there's any reason to go see an Oakland A's team this year, but I certainly think that this team is has been shrewd enough to plan to have these ballparks in different locations around the city and they're just getting stonewalled. I could certainly understand ownership's frustration. Like, to hell with this then. We'll just wait till this thing bottoms out and move it somewhere else. I just don't believe that they'll stop the teardown culture. Are you And now it's time for Rapid Fire, and we have a few listener questions to get to, starting with baseball. Matt in Fort Erie wrote us an email about unvaccinated players not being allowed to play in Canada. Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoyo isn't shedding any tears for opposing players. Ian wants to know if that's an unfair advantage. It may be an unfair advantage, but those are the rules. So if there are the rules, everybody knows what the rules are. I don't shed any tears for any other opposing team. The Boston Red Sox this week are missing guys because they can't play in Toronto. The Blue Jays played, had to play in Dunedin and Buffalo before going to Toronto. They had to abide by the rules. Every other team in Major League Baseball should as well. And this isn't Charlie Montoyo's rule. The Blue Jays right. didn't make this up. They don't have a say in, in what this looks like. You have to be vaccinated to be able to come to Toronto to play against the Blue Jays. If you're not, you can't come. Uh, sure, that's a that's an absolute advantage to the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays didn't plant this somewhere and and pull up rule 172.3-C. Like this is just the rules that they've been given by the government of this country. So, no, is it an unfair advantage? Sure. Is that the Blue Jays problem? No. So, uh, yeah, if you're going to tell me hey, Aaron uh, Aaron Judge can't come up here or this guy can't come up here or whatever to play in this series, do you think that's unfair for, for the New York Yankees? Absolutely it is. Not the Blue Jays' fault. So, yeah, too bad. And the rules have been in place for quite some time. Yeah. Jerry and Owen Sound wrote us a note. He's a big 49ers fan, and he's upset about the trade talk involving Debo Samuel. He wants to know which team is the best fit for Debo if he gets traded. You know, here's the thing with Debo Samuel. Everyone is. Everyone is a fit for this guy. This guy is an incredible talent that can do all kinds of different things and line up in different spots and and run play running back return kicks play wide receiver he's equally effective as all of them he might be the best safety on the detroit lions roster if they were ever to swing that somehow so <laughs> I mean, is is there there sure there's a great there are great fits out there for the way that he plays and and the the structure that they can use but debo samuel is a guy that literally could fit anywhere as long as that team has enough uh, in the pockets and draft picks and whatever to make that deal 77 catches, 1,400 yards, six touchdowns through the air, 59 carries, 365 yards, eight more touchdowns on the ground. This guy is a Swiss Army knife. The best Carolina Panthers top rusher. (laughs) How the hell did that happen? The best fit for him is staying in San Francisco. I don't know why he wants to get traded. You don't go to the Packers because there's no money there and you're looking to get paid. 
stay in San Francisco and get paid because no other teams are going to be able to afford you because if, if you go somewhere else now, you're going to be somewhere else again afterwards because they're not going to be able to afford you. Aaron Rodgers makes all the money in Green Bay. It's a weird scenario because I don't know where it all came from. I, th- I thought he was pretty highly regarded. I, you know, the coaching staff is using him any number of different ways. So I'm not really sure where it's coming from other than just the money. But again, guys, the money's not everywhere. Like it, you, you say you want to get traded. It doesn't mean there's 31 other teams that are lined up that are going to give you what you want. You're looking at the numbers that he's looking at is what five six seven teams maybe that would be able to make that work for him and what's it going to cost him yeah everybody would love him but guy like uh, this to me just seems like a a very unnecessary move from him right out of the gate for nothing that we can tell from the news sources or anything that comes out that it's like he doesn't hate kyle shanahan or you know jimmy garoppolo didn't sleep with his girlfriend or something like that like there's there's no stories out there that are uh, obvious reasons why he'd want to leave it just came out that he wanted to leave you know like he's getting paid four million dollars yes it's not Devonte adams money or or tyree kill money like close to 20 million a year but who can afford that in this day yeah if i'm the eagles i'm an eagles fan sure i'll make the trade but i'm not paying you that kind of money take jalen rager from me he's worth less than a bag of pucks right now but we'll give you a first rounder in jalen rager for you but we're not going to pay you 15 million dollars and i don't think the eagles would make that trade unless they had a contract deal done before the trade is done the florida panthers have clinched the top seed in the nhl eastern conference jim and watford wants our opinions on how serious we should be considering the panthers as cup contenders panthers are tops in the east right now so the question is are they the serious cup contenders in the east or would you rather have the Panthers or the field? Ooh, I like that. Right? Like, it, that's how I'm looking at the answer, right? Yep. If, if the Panthers are serious cup contenders, would you rather have the field or would you rather have the Florida Panthers? And I think the East is so competitive, I think I'd rather have the field. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got a Stanley Cup prediction in my back pocket already that I'm really happy with. I've watched the Florida Panthers a couple of games recently. They are not my pick for the Stanley Cup. I'm about to take the Panthers because that team is so entertaining to watch. They're so quick in transition. Bobrovsky has been really good. Spencer Knight is an outstanding backup, and they seem to alternate back and forth. Their defense... That Uyghur guy is unreal. He is an outstanding player. Gudis, is that the name of the other defenseman that yeah. they have that literally yeah. just that, that hits the face-off circle? He just runs around and hits everything? This guy is a machine. Like This is, again, they don't have Aaron Ekblad. They don't have an MVP caliber player, and they continue to make this work. Their plus-minus is 100 in the NHL right now, they can score a ton and they score fast and they looked good against Toronto last week. I'm having a hard time, even though I've got another team that I'm trying to be cute with. I've got a hard time not picking the Florida Panthers right now. See, and maybe it's because of Aaron Eckblad's injury, but 
I just look at the New York Rangers, and I think I like that team a lot. Toronto's going to face Tampa Bay in the first round. Tampa Bay kicked the crap out of them 8-1 last week. Which I don't like. I, I don't like that for uh, for Tampa. Uh, that, yeah, I, that I totally agree. That's not going to sit well. I don't think that swings one way or another, but I'm going to give Toronto an extra game in that series because of that one. You just stole my thunder, and I'm because my my thought is while Tampa Bay will feel good about themselves, yeah. the Maple Leafs are going to remember that come playoff time for sure, and that's going to be a bit of a barn burner. But I, you know, like I don't think you can say Florida, even though there's 57 wins, the next closest Toronto and Carolina at 52. Even though Florida has that win total, I don't think you can say they're clear-cut favorites to win the entire Eastern Conference, let alone the Stanley Cup. And I'm looking at just the Eastern Conference first round right now. Like you mentioned, Toronto and Tampa Bay, hard series. The Rangers and Pittsburgh. I don't think Pittsburgh is very good, but when those two teams play each other, it's always a great series. Carolina and Boston is going to be a dogfight of a series. Florida and Washington, I feel pretty good about it if I'm Florida. So maybe just getting out of the first round healthy and quick might be the key to this whole thing. Because when you look at some of those other series, who is coming out of there feeling you know, like they're they're ready to go for the next round. I think there's a lot of seven-game series in there, and I think there's a lot of, of physical series in there where I would think the Florida-Washington one might be, not to say anything that, that Washington's not going to win a couple games in that series, but I would think that one is probably the lightest against each other at this point. So that, that to me, it's uh, is the, the lightest of those series. And then from there, I mean, who knows? Well, I, I give Washington some credit. They played three games. All three were one-goal games. Mm-hmm. Florida won two of them. Washington won one. So I agree with you. It looks like the easiest of the bunch, but I don't think that's going to be that easy. The NFL draft is this weekend. The first round is Thursday night. Since you boys like to bet, the over-under for quarterbacks taken in the first round is three. Are you going over or under? Oh, Put our money where our mouth is. NFL draft time. Three and a half, you say, Rashad. I'm going under three and a half for quarterbacks in the first round. I know this is crazy because everybody loves quarterbacks in the first round. I'm going under three and a half for quarterbacks in the first round. So you're saying that there is going to be Less than three quarterbacks taken out of three and a half. Out of, three but, and a half. But it's got to it's got to be three or less then. So you yes. think there's three quarterbacks that are going in thirty two picks yes. in the first round? I think you're out of your in mind. in the first round. You're out of your mind. No I can, way. I can name one of them. Willis. I think is his last. I don't even know his first name. But <laughs> Carolina is going to take somebody at six. New Orleans okay. is going to take one. Somebody's no, gonna, somebody's gonna move up. I think somebody's gonna get cute and try to take somebody. I, I think it's it's just over. I think there'll be There's, four quarterbacks taken in the first round. Side bet. I know five were taken in the round in the first round last draft. 
Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Mac Jones. None of the guys, even if you don't know their first names or their last names, there's a reason you don't know them, because they're garbage. It's not a good year for quarterbacks. There, there may only be two that get drafted in the first round. Don't you know, pump it up. You got to pump it up. And the messages keep coming in for everyone's favorite segment, Pump It or Dump It. We had three new submissions in the last week. We'll get to them all, I promise. But this is the song for this week. That song is called Sweetest Pie by Megan Thee Stallion and Dua Lipa. It was submitted by Julia in Windsor. So what do you guys think? Pump it or dump it? Julia, maybe you can help me out. I don't know what they're singing about. What what is this? (laughs) There's there's a lot of references here of desserts. Um... (laughs) Pies and cakes and cookies and I think there's a meat reference in there at some point. I'm I'm not sure what this song is about, Julia. So are you saying I shouldn't crank this song at the pool because the neighbors may get hungry? (laughs) I I, I mean, the (laughs) pay the bakery... Open for business. (laughs) Rashad, what are you saying? Wow, Julia, what a dirty song this is. See, I just think Rashad's upset because Megan the Stallion stole his nickname. (laughs) John the Stallion. Didn't we call him that back in the day in Owen Sound? You know, when I was watching that video, I was thinking, John used to do the same thing. (laughs) Isn't that a crazy-ass video? That's oh my god. god. That was a lot for the senses. That was yes. that one was a lot. I had to honestly listen to the song a second time to see if I actually liked the song because I kind of drifted away in whatever was happening in that video for a while. Uh, needless to say, I'm gonna pump it. <laughs> We're going to feed the neighborhood. (laughs) Something about cake and it's not even your birthday. I don't know what this, what are these kids talking about these days? Whatever happened was, I think I love you. So what am I so afraid of? It's clear what this guy's talking about. Now we got all this innuendo and stuff. I like it too. (laughs) We don't talk about Bruno though. (laughs) Oh oh, no. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Uh, Wow. That is something. And that does it for another debate on Rapid Fire. Remember, this is our only episode for the week. There's no overtime this week, but it gives you an opportunity to go back and listen to one of the other 119 episodes that we've done and some of the other guests that we've had for the OT and and get caught up on, on hanging out with your buddies. We haven't heard from you in a while. Where have you been? 
Get caught up. Find out what we're talking about. Get right back into the middle of things again. Oh, no. They're going to send us a ton of emails again. Oh, no. We want to thank our sponsors, London Awnings, Quality That Shows, and Shane Topolovic of Next Level Athletics in Windsor. I heard from him this week. Did he send you the same reel? Uh, what? Oh, the kangaroo? Yes, the kangaroo. <laughs> I said, that's just us on a Tuesday. <laughs> He wants to hang out. Oh, after yeah. he said, after he said that, he wants yeah. to hang out. Sure, sure. That's just that's just the sweetest pie right there. <laughs> so, contact Shane if you want to get into sport training, nutrition, or pies, or whatever you want to do. <laughs> He's the expert on nutrition. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week on Four Future Considerations. That was a disgraceful performance, in my opinion. In my opinion, that sucked. Their mentality's awful. Their attitude's awful. It's been their M.O. for the last three years. Tonight I saw and heard one of the most disgusting, rudest, sick demonstrations in my entire career. Probably the worst. It's garbage. And the editor that let it come out is garbage. You're still here? It's over. Go home.